Well, it's great to see everyone here this morning. As evidenced by the height of this, I will not be speaking today. I'll introduce Brian in just a second. One, one thing I wanted to say before that, um, I, during worship, I just was reminded, I think God reminded me of earlier in the week, I was walking through the office area, I was getting some coffee, and um, I was humming, I guess mindlessly, uh, um, and I turned around and there was a woman sitting there and, and I apologized. I said, oh, I'm so sorry I was humming. You know, like I felt embarrassed, like I'd been caught scandalously worshiping. Because it wasn't actually, you know, it wasn't like Bob Dylan or something. It was a hymn or a song or something like that. And she said, no, it's fine. I love that one. You know, and, it, and God, when God reminded me of it, I, I guess what came to me is sometimes intimacy can be embarrassing. You know, we're, we're caught in an intimate act and there's an embarrassment, there's an exposure that's like, this is the real me and I can't cover this. And I felt like what the Lord was saying is, I honor your, your vulnerability. I honor your intimacy. I think that woman for me was Jesus saying, no, I love to hear you sing. I love to hear your heart come out. So I just wanted to pray for us. Those of us who might, you, maybe you sense this morning, God is calling me into deeper intimacy. I know it, I feel it, and I'm afraid because I think the Lord wants to encourage us. He's, he's wooing us this morning, I really believe is what he's doing. So let's pray. Um, Father, I ask in the name of Jesus for any here this morning who feel that sort of fearful and yet expectant sense of you wooing them, I ask God for grace, for vulnerability for openness, even to take risk, to allow you to come in and touch us at the deepest place. So God, give us grace to trust you. Give us grace to love you. We do want to be near to you, Lord. We, we want to draw closer. And God, we say um, with all our hearts that we can, we trust you with our hearts. So do what you will with them. In the name of Jesus, amen. Brian, do you want to come forward? Let's give Brian a hand. Uh, Brian Beeson, I think, Brian, I think we've known each other for about 20 years or so, served together in ministry. Brian was a youth pastor here for a while. Brian has also just been a faithful friend to me for many, many years. And as much as I guess I was his boss for a while, I felt like we've always been friends and colleagues because, Brian, you've ministered to me. <laughs> He's... He's prayed for me during communion. The Holy Spirit came on me, and I feel like I'm about to fall apart. So that's a good thing. That's definitely a good thing. Um, so I just wanted to honor you, Brian. Thank you for being with us. Brian for and me. Joni and their three children are with the International House of Prayer in Kansas City. They're intercessory missionaries. When you give on a Sunday morning, a part of what you give goes to them because we've been supporting them for get the blessing of hearing uh, part of the, the heart of God coming towards us in uh, Brian's words. So open your hearts to Brian, and uh, thanks. Thanks, Randy. Yeah, so good to see you guys again today. And for those you know that I haven't met before, it's great to, to meet you. Um, I just want to give a, just a couple-minute update, and then we'll kind of jump into today's message. As you can see, I'm traveling alone, but I have a family, and they're in Kansas City, so I just want to show you a picture of them. Um, so that's my wife, Joni, and then our oldest, Isaac, who's the shortest in this picture. <laughs> uh, and then Hosanna is the, the little girl in the middle, and then John David. This is a little dated photo, but it's the most professional I have. I showed my wife the other one. She's like, you can't use those. So, um, but yeah, we serve together. And then I just want to show you two pictures just of some of the things we do. Um, we're both teachers there. Uh, intercessory missionary, what that means is we spend some of our time in the prayer room either praying for things or talking to the Lord, but then we also have other things that we do. And so one of the things I do is I teach uh, several classes at the ministry school. This one's on the book of Isaiah, but I just wanted to highlight one way the Lord uh, used the pandemic to kind of help launch us in a different direction. If you'd notice, there's screens all over the room. There's like five screens in each classroom now, and they have like five, um, you know, five cameras. So we're actually, we shifted our classroom to a global classroom. And so we pre-film all of our lectures, so we have students from many different countries coming in. Half of our, of our enrollees now, out of 350 students, are now starting from online as a full-time student. They can stay in their home church, study, work a job, but then be in a community of others, and then join a live classroom. And it's really live, like they interact just with the students on site. They can see each other, 
they can break and you know talk to each other in the classroom. And so we're you know your part of your giving with us is equipping young leaders to stand in this hour, uh, real equipped with understanding and love for Jesus. And so that's one of the classrooms. It's the book of Isaiah I teach. And then here's one of my wife Joni, and she teaches piano, and she's been doing that for a long time uh, since she's a little girl teaching piano, loving piano. Um, but um, that's a picture of her. And so um, one thing she's been into is uh, she launched an um, online prayer room in Chinese. She had about, you know, 10 or 15 people every, every Friday she has it. And she's got about 25 online Chinese-speaking students in addition to some local things. So anyways, you're helping equip um, Chinese speakers uh, as well, Chinese people in the different parts of the Asian countries. So anyways, bless you. Thank you. I just want to say thank you for... Being friends with us, it's great to have a home church, you know, <laughs> it means a lot uh, as a missionary. You know, I grew up in Indianapolis, but it really means a lot because it's been 10 years <laughs> since I've left, and I didn't think I'd be gone. I actually thought I'd be gone for three months. <laughs> just, you know, that's how it works sometimes, you know, it's like God gives you just the next step, and then <laughs> here you are later. So sometimes, you know, it just feels like a time warp, you know, following the Lord, and he ne- we never graduate from trusting Jesus. In fact, I think that's how we express what salvation is. We trust him for our souls, but we trust him in our daily life. We trust him for daily bread. We trust him to learn how to learn to parent. We're trusting him to learn how he provides. We're trusting him to learn what he's saying next or how he wants to move in this situation, our job. We never graduate from that. And sometimes we want, it's uncomfortable. We want to kind of get out of that, but the Lord's always bringing us back because that's where we encounter him and we see his goodness. So anyways, Okay, well, um, I'm looking at some notes, but uh, the notes will be available to you online. And, you know, if you know me, it's, you know, multiple pages, <laughs> and it's got some um, things, discussion questions and things like that. So, but I would encourage you, um, for anything I'm saying today, if you want to go a little deeper, there's some resources that will be posted for you online. And we're looking at the topic. So I heard that we are discussing the Sermon on the Mount these months, which I love that topic because it's Jesus, it's his like teaching us as believers how to enjoy our new life in him, how to enter into the kingdom lifestyle. Not just enter in because you're a believer, you're in, but now that you're in, how do you partner with God's grace? What does that look like? And so in chapters 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew, he unpacks that. Unfortunately, it's really overlooked and, um, and so we never, it's always important to go back and really look at those things. And so we're doing that today. We're going to focus on prayer and fasting. And of course, it's snowing today. Now let's talk about prayer and fasting, you know, and then afterwards, we're going to go do some push-ups. And then, you know, I, I mean, but it is, a, it's a rigorous topic. Um, but let's just kind of do an overview first, a little bit of the Sermon on the Mount. And I, I'm, I know you've had this, you're just hearing it from another voice. Sometimes it helps to hear things from another voice, right? And so, um, uh, two, two reasons why I'm kind of like convince you here, if you need it, or just to kind of awaken us, why we're listening to Jesus on this. The first one is he's teaching us how to have a vibrant heart, a spiritually vibrant heart as a believer, not to get burned out, not to be dull spiritually, like we're just, you know, where's God's presence on it? Um, how to get stronger in the Lord, no matter what our external environment is. You know, we're not dependent on our externals to, to remain strong in the Lord. Actually, you know, the Spirit lives within us and can strengthen us by His grace. So He's, he's teaching us how to have a vibrant heart. And I'm looking at Matthew 6, 22, and we have a verse for that. You know, He says, Jesus, if your eye is good. He's talking about our focus of our inner life. The focus of our inner life is good. Or you could say wholehearted. Now, we all struggle with being wholehearted. Like, it's known... <laughs> You know, no one reaches it, but we, what I mean is we give our energy and attention to one thing, and uh, we're all growing in that, but God says, if you grow in that wholeheartedness to love me, pursue me, your whole body will be full of light. Your whole being will have spiritual vibrancy. You'll be sensitive to his presence. You'll be strong in adversity. You will... Some of the things that, like doubt, depression, they won't have a hold on you in the same way. And Jesus is giving us a doorway how to walk in that, in this teaching. So it's very powerful. It's, it's, it's really interesting. This teaching is very 
simple to understand, actually. It's actually kind of hard to do. We can't do it. We can only do it. We, we stumble in it, but the Holy Spirit will help us. We can't do it perfectly. Um, here's a second reason, which this one is so liberating. I just feel like someone's going like, to like leave dancing after this, and I'm serious. He, there's many different longings in our hearts that God put, and if we ignore those, we go find counterfeits. Like, for, you know, for example, we're, we, we have a, a longing to be fascinated by awesomeness, by majesty or beauty. And if we don't know how to get that the way God designed us in him and his family by who he is, then we'll go somewhere else. He'll just look for, you know, entertainment or some other and just keep getting fascinated because it's a longing we can't avoid. It's who we are on the inside. We're made to be fascinated. And when we meet the Lord, we will be fascinated. Um, but another longing is the desire to be great. You want to be somebody special. You want to make an impact with your life. It's a deep desire. We can't avoid it. We daydream about it. Like, you know, when you're a kid, you daydream putting on a cape and like being strong, and then you jump off the kitchen table and sprain your ankle. But we have this desire to be great, to make an impact. You know, in our workplace, in our family, we want to be a great dad or a great wife. We want to be a great, um, you know, great at what we do. We want to kill the, kill the um, you know, the, whatever the benchmark is for our work. We want to be great. And the Lord's, he gives us the doorway to greatness by responding to his teaching. He actually says in Matthew 5.19, he gives us and shows us that we can be great before him, which is what matters because when we meet him, that greatness transfers into the other age. May not, it may not be great on the outside, but each of us can walk in the greatness God has designed us for on the inside. He's reorganizing and reprioritizing what greatness is in this teaching. And I would listen to him because he's the God of the universe teaching us of what greatness is to him. And he spells it out in these three chapters. If you look in Matthew 5.19, he says, Whoever, therefore, breaks consistently... One of the least of these commandments. He's talking about the commandments found in Matthew 5 through 7. That, and actually teaches others to break them, there will be least in the kingdom of heaven. So still in the kingdom of heaven, but least. The reward, they've lost the reward. But whoever does and teaches these things, Matthew's chapters 5 through 7, will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So, you can be great not based off of your, um, what family you were born in or your education or what kind of status. Jesus is redefining greatness by loving him back the way he's defining love in this teaching. He's defining what it means to love him back. He's defining actually for us what it means to seek him. Like if we say, I want to seek you, God, in these chapters, he's showing us what seeking him looks like. He's showing us what loving him looks like. When we say, we love you, we love you, God, we want to pay attention because he said, this is what love looks like to me. These, these things in this chapter are very important to me. Um, and so this is like a really important for us. I mean, something we could put on our reading schedule often is these chapters, five through, five through seven. And just to overview, he highlights eight Beatitudes. There's just eight states of God blessing us. I'm not going to get into it, but he wants those to grow out of us. But then he highlights... Six temptations in these three chapters. Temptations that will, if we give ourselves over to them, he's, he's actually teaching us this as a good pastor. He really likes us. He, he's wanting us to take care of our heart because if we were to give ourselves over to these six things, they would, they would dull our spirit. They would defile us. They would harm us. So he's really looking out for our good interest. He's a really good pastor. Um, and those six temptations are kind of like weeds. When we see those kind of springing up in our life, we want to ask God, you know, how, I want to remove this. We don't want to let those things start growing because, you know, if you've ever gotten a yard or something where you've, you know, we, we've had two different homes we've gotten that were foreclosed before. There were so many weeds in the backyard, so many trees, volunteer trees, where I'm digging them up and trying to get the roots out. It takes a lot of work. But when you get them when they're young, you can just, just pluck them right out. And the Lord's highlighting, hey, pay attention to these weeds. You know, these weeds are anger, uh, sexual immorality. They are um, disregarding the sanctity of the marriage. They are um, over-inflating ourselves. We're not keeping our word. 
um, they are looking to retaliate if somebody does this harm, to pay someone back. And the, the last of the six weeds is um, when somebody harms us, we just avoid them. We, we don't actively love them. We, we just kind of wall off our heart. God says if we let these six things grow, they will kind of poison us. So then what we're kind of focusing on today is the, he actually gives us not just things to avoid, but he gives us things to give ourselves to, to what it looks like to seek him. That's what we're kind of narrowing in on today. And uh, he gives us now five, you could say, ways to water your heart. So you got, if we're, use the analogy of a garden, like our heart's a garden where, oh, it's a very special place where God wants to see things grow. The, sp- the space where we meet with God on the inside, the space that's what calls us great. He says, this is what calls you great. He says, here's how you can water your heart now. So avoid those six weeds. And he gives strategies on how to deal with each of them, if you look in in Matthew chapter 5. In Matthew chapter 6, he gives us five ways to water our heart. That's what we're looking at and kind of zeroing in on a few of them. Um, These ways are prayer and fasting, serving, giving, and blessing your enemies. God, I ask right now as I'm... um, we're just sharing the teaching. Lord, I ask, Lord, for understanding. Would you talk to us? We pray a silencing of every voice that's not yours, and we thank you, Lord. Would you elevate your ways right now before us and awaken us to just, just uh, hear you. Give us ears to hear in Jesus' name. So in Matthew 6, 4 through 20, he highlights these five, call them kingdom activities or spiritual disciplines, and, um, you know, if you look at them, he says, verse 4, that your charitable deed, serving or giving, may be in secret, and your Father will reward you openly. And verse 6 talks about when you pray, your Father will reward you openly. Verse 14, forgive men their trespasses. That's the blessing of your enemies. Verse 17, when you fast... Your Father will reward you openly. In verse 19, uh, to not lay up treasures for yourselves on earth, but to do them in heaven. Now, let's look at these, these five things, uh, just a principle about them. Um, you could call all of these five things a type of fasting. Have you ever thought of that before? When you give, you're fasting your financial strength. Opportunities you could, you know, a lot of money is freedom and opportunities. We fast that and we give it to a kingdom cause. It makes us weak. It makes us, it makes us weak. Um, when we serve, we fast our time and our energy to help someone. Like, I remember, this doesn't happen as often, but this was always the tough one for me, moving people's washers and dryers. Oh, my gosh, I'm just done with that. <laughs> I'm so done. But, you know, if someone's to ask me when I go back to Kansas City, you know, if I have, if I can do it, again, I'm, I'm not, com- this is all voluntary, by the way. There's nothing that makes me do this. I'm, I'm choosing to do this. You know, I grew up as a pastor's kid in the church. I always felt like I had to do things. This is not that. This is, you know, with the time I have that day, do I have 15 or 30 minutes to serve? And I might not feel like it, but do I have the time? Is it not going to wreck this other meeting? Or It's something I want to give myself to to bless that person. Does that make sense? It's not a duty of guilt or shame. It's not that at all. That's kind of what we need to unplug ourselves from. We're doing it, the serving, as a means. We're actually trusting the Lord with our time and energy. It's a, it's a, it's a sign of faith, but we're doing it to bless somebody in the body. Um, blessing our enemies, we actually fast something else very important. We fast our words. We fast our ability to shape something the way we want or to justify ourselves. And we then submit that painful circumstance to the Lord and we turn it to prayer. We bless them. That's not a cultural value. <laughs> That's a type of fasting. But then we're looking at prayer and fasting. This is where we give our strength we give our energy, our time, we could be using for other things, and we give it to the Lord and talking to Him. Um, there's different kinds of prayer. There's prayer of communion where we 
we use the Bible. We pray the Bible, but we slow down. We're not like, you know, I'm all about reading plans. That's great. But if we're just doing a reading plan, but we don't talk to God about what we're reading and listen, it's a little silly. I know I'm, I'm sorry if I poke on anybody here, but think about if we went to a restaurant together after church and we all sit down and we read the menu and we're like, oh my gosh, man, the filet mignon looks so delicious. You know, maybe some guy on your table starts drooling thinking about it or you know, looking at spaghetti. Oh my gosh, on this menu, look at these pictures. And the waiter comes by and like, what would you like to order? Like, no, I'm good. I just like looking at the pictures. But on the inside, you're so hungry. Something about a prayer of communion where we take God's words, and I'm, I've got a short handout on, online. You can try it if you want. It's a, called Prayer Reading the Bible. Very simple. Uh, and I won't get into it for the sake of time, but you just take God's words, and you, you pray them back to Him, and you wait, and, and you listen. You might write a few thoughts down, and sometimes you thank Him for those things, or sometimes you ask for help to obey those things that you're reading. And it's a way of using his word to actually come to Jesus and, you know, build that relationship. And there's many different ways of communion. That's with the Lord, uh, fellowshipping with God or talking with the Lord and responding. And that's one type of prayer. Uh, and if we, we want to cultivate that kind because that kind is the kind that really refreshes us. That's the kind where we learn to build uh, that relationship with the Lord. Many times growing up, we learn the other kinds of prayer, which is asking for things. And that's very biblical, to obtain more blessing for our lives or for a breakthrough for someone else or our lives. That's very biblical, and that's a great way to pray. But many times we might have learned just the asking part, and we get a little bit burned out, or we just get like a little bit of the labor of that, but we haven't cultivated the communion part. Or maybe you grew up in a different type of church. It was a lot of communion prayer, and maybe the Lord's highlighting, you know, the asking part. Uh, today, I'm not really getting into all the hows today. I'm just kind of talking more of the why. Um, I, I believe you can, you start doing it, you'll, you'll figure out the how kind of on your own um, a little. So the Lord's telling us, to, uh, the, it's kind of the fasted lifestyle of taking our energy that we could use for prayer. And, of course, when we fast food, we 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 lose a lot of emotional energy and physical energy. You know, you can fast, to, I'm just saying a few obvious things, but for helpful if it's new. Fasting's nothing new for any religion. It's not unique to the Christian religion. But what you, is unique for the Christian religion is you have the Holy Spirit living inside you. <laughs> so when you fast, you, you know, avoid not eating something or skipping a meal. Seems so silly. Skip a meal, skip a couple meals. Uh, we get very irritable. You know, start, I mean, every time I try fast on Tuesdays, and I always get into a fight with my wife that night. I'm like, sometimes, Lord, please, not tonight. Help me to be more patient, you know, putting the kids to bed. Snap! Oh, my gosh, you know, that came right out of me. Um, and uh, oftentimes, when we do these things, we actually feel weaker, and we see this stuff in our heart that was already there. It just gives us opportunity to talk to God about it. We don't get... We don't feel holy doing these things. But what they do is it tenderizes us. It softens us. That's just the way God did it. He chose this. <laughs> these are Jesus' paths, these five things. He said, do these five things in Matthew 6. He said, I'm going to use these five things to tenderize your heart to receive more from me. It actually, by, by fasting in these five areas, you know, serving, giving, loving our enemies, blessing our enemies, prayer and fasting, we voluntarily give things to the Lord, trusting Him, and then uh, we now, it's a way of actually humbling ourselves, and we now, God gives grace. God says in James 4, He says He uh, gives grace to the humble. This is a way God's showing us to enter into grace. Now, I talk about grace, I'm talking about God moving on your life in ways you can't, God doing things that you can't do. God um, providing things in your life that you're longing for. So he's talking about this. And, uh, of course, this is the gospel, which is kind of interesting because one thing we struggle with as Americans, many times we've heard the gospel preached that come, get saved, now let Jesus make your life better. Make Jesus help you stay, help us <laughs> stay comfortable, stay in this certain state and fulfill our American dream. 
But the Bible says actually to come and lose our lives. To come and be humble, desperate before God. Not, not know, knowing that we're spiritually blind without him. Knowing that we need him. And then he fills us with power. Then he does things in our life. And so it's actually the paradox of the gospel to allow God to produce. We do it voluntarily, the weakness to receive what he has. And again, it's ne- we never graduate from the, it's just, a, it's a very odd thing. When I take paradox, it's got a truth in it, but it seems absurd. It seems kind of backwards. But I think the Lord's done it that way, I think partially to cultivate relationship and to, it's just against the, the culture of this age. Um. I want to make a couple comments, then we'll look at one type of fasting, and then we'll kind of wrap up for this morning. Um, When we respond to Jesus' teaching, there's kind of three responses we can have. And I just want to highlight these because I've experienced them all, and I'm sure they would give you language for your own life. One is when we see these things and we try to enter into them, like let's say we're going to fast a meal at work. And we're going to skip a meal and try to get away for 20 minutes and read a, read a little bit of the Bible and pray for a few things. And that's a great place to start. Um, or let's say, you know, we're going to try to do the 15 minutes before bed and, and just read a passage and pray and get right back to God and try that for like a couple of weeks and see what the Lord's doing in our heart. Um, we kind of take these little steps like this. can be very small steps. They're very significant. You know, one thing I've learned... Having kids and like a lot of responsibility, I don't have the same bandwidth as I did in my 20s and 30s. I don't. So like for me, something big is like 15, 30 minutes a day. That's huge if I can do that because I find my, that's really all the extra time I have. And that is like when I do that, I feel like my heart is now getting engaged in a, in a new way. And, um, oh gosh, where was I? Um, oh, three responses. Um, the first one is legalism, and what that means is when we try to do these things, but we're trying to earn something from God, trying to get approval. Like, if I fast this way, I will feel better about myself. If I fast like this or pray like this, now I think this is just a natural thought, that also now I am better than this guy next to me, so I'm sure he's not doing that. See, we, it's very natural in the human heart for that to come up. If I, uh, if I give this thing, then God, you're going to do this for me right now. It's this type of earning thing or trying to get approval or love or security from God. It's like doing one thing, kind of twisting God's arm to get a result we want. And um, it's in the human heart. It's in all of us. And I'm just saying that when we see that in our heart, don't be shocked. It, it, well, actually, you almost should see it. <laughs> and when you see it, just say, Lord, I don't want to do that. I am pursuing you. I'm doing this for love. I'm doing these things to come and meet you. Lord, I just released those thoughts. I don't want those. That's not why I'm doing this. So I'm just, I'm just highlighting that because it's there. It's in our hearts. Um, it's almost like using religious things to manipulate God. You know, we don't have to twist God's arm to like us. He already does. And it says that, that God who did not spare his own son, how much more graciously will he give us all things? We don't have to earn anything from God. Again, these things position us Kind of like, um, here's another analogy. They take our heart, which is naturally cold. Just, when I say cold, it's just naturally dull or naturally just stuck. And takes our heart and puts it before a bonfire. And the bonfire warms us. So when I go to give or serve or fast or pray, I'm just in my own weak way, even if I don't do it right, even if I mess it up, which happens many times, I just try again. <laughs> And the best of my energy, reach out and try to put my heart before God as a, as a consuming fire. And it's him who warms me. It's, that's my little weak reach, but he, it's like my like barely a percent, and he's like a hundred percent, boom, fire. And um, so I don't earn anything, but it allows me to receive something he's already wants to give me. Just, I, can't, I can't receive it because of the clutter or the distraction or the... The things in my life, I just can't receive it. So it's not earning, but we don't want to do the other L. Kind of these are three L's, kind of like preachers like the three this, four that, five this, goodbye, see you later. You know, uh, three L's. The other L is a really big word. 
and I can't, I'd find, I tried to find a shorter one, but I, I'm not smart enough to, but licentiousness, which just means kind of doing whatever you want, all right, I, I, you know, I don't know, just there you go, and it's when we ignore Jesus' teaching in this chapter, we say, you know what, I think you don't know what you're talking about, Jesus, <laughs> or I don't really like what you're talking about, I am going to live my Christian life a different way, and I don't, I don't need the way you're offering grace this way, or, or I don't really, and I'm going to, I want to stay in the family, be a Christian, but I'm not going to do, I'm not going to worry about those six temptations. I'm not going to weed the garden of my heart, pull out those weeds, and I might just kind of avoid some of these five activities for my life because they're too uncomfortable. I don't like them, and what we're doing then is we're kind of uh, saying, Lord, I don't want the grace in my life. We're kind of avoiding it, and you know, grace saves us but grace also empowers us. And so we're saved by grace, by God, but for empowerment, we have to respond to what he did. Open our heart. Um, So that's another response we don't want. And of course, the response I'm talking about here is that we do want is love. Love says this. Love says, Jesus, this is how you define seeking you? And you have something for me? You You want me to encounter you? You want me to know you? I was made for you to be fascinated. I was made to to be great in your eyes. I was made to experience things that I can't see or understand. I don't know how to get there, but you do. You know how to take me. I'm going to try to position myself, even as I'm stumbling, even as I don't know. Lord, come and fill me. I want to try to love you back with the love I have. It may be weak love. It's certainly kind of broken love. It's immature love, but it's my love. It's my, it's my yes, and it's the only yes I have. Nobody else can do it for me but it's the yes I have. You can't make me do it. I choose to do it, and I'm coming close to you, Lord. Now come. I love you. Let's get to know each other more. Let's, let's, and we just present ourselves to God in that way. That's love, and it's love on the inside. People can't always see it, but in that, God then releases a vibrant heart. In that, God starts shifting and changing our appetites, tenderizing our heart. Um, he actually starts strengthening our identity. You know, there's so much depression in the culture, and yet the Lord is uh, uh, inviting us into a way to get vibrancy where um, some of those issues can even uh, affect how we think about ourselves, like we're always feeling condemned or in shame, and yet as we come to the Lord at that vibrant heart he, he gives us, those things will start losing their hold on us. He's uh, giving us this pathway. Now, uh, the one type of fast I want to mention is the bridegroom fast. Now, there's a lot of different kinds of fasts, and I just want to kind of end with this. You know, there's fasting for a crisis, um, fasting for breakthrough on something, fasting for more things in your life that you're asking the Lord for help in, and those are all great. But I'm talking about uh, the bridegroom fast. Now, what is that? So Jesus calls himself a bridegroom, which is the same as a groom, just so in case everybody wants to know. Like, I was like, bridegroom? Why can't you just, you know? The bridegroom, groom, it's just, the groom is short for bridegroom. It's the guy in the marriage, the guy in the wedding. And, um, and it's, Jesus calls himself that, and other people called himself that. And, of course, what that means is, just real quick summary, is the Lord Jesus is coming back for a people that are prepared for him, for a people that he's going to do this, make us spotless and holy, as well as mature us in love like the love he has. Because the, the Lord will only marry someone equally yoked. When I say marriage, I mean together, doing things with him forever. Being with him. And when I talk about, like, that means we're the bride. I'm not talking about gender. So everybody, all the guys in this room can take a deep breath. It's not about gender. Like, when we say we are the bride, it's a position. It's a position of nearness to God. It's a position of a holiness it's a position of sharing things on God's heart. It's a very valuable and special position um, that the Lord's called us. Um, and so Jesus is a bridegroom. But there's something in Matthew 9 where Jesus was a- answering a question like, well, why, are, why aren't your disciples fasting? And he says, oh, they're going to fast just after I leave. And he called it the bridegroom fast, which is a fast not motivated for breakthrough or for power ministry, it's motivated out of a desire to encounter Jesus, to meet with him, to take the relationship deeper. It's us saying, I want to go deeper. You said this is one of the ways to do it. I'm going to try it. Even if I can't do it super well, I'm learning. 
I'm going to just enter into the bridegroom fast. I'm going to avoid a meal or two once a week, less or more. You know, there's different ways to fast. And I'm going to have some extra time for prayer that day, if it's 15 minutes or more or whatever. And I'm going to get in that place. Jesus said, in the secret place, and he'll reward us openly. Uh, the reward could be a variety of things. Um, but this is called the bridegroom fast. Matthew 9, he says, Jesus said, can the friends of the bridegroom mourn? Friends of the bridegroom, people that love the bridegroom, Jesus, us, can they mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? And he said, but the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away. Right? You know, Jesus has been in heaven the last 2,000 years. He's taken away in person. He's coming back. It says in Matthew 25, behold, the bridegroom is coming. He's coming back. Um, but while he's taken away, he says they'll fast. And the fast is motivated to, to love him, to be close to him, and for him to do things in us. Um, now, as him as a bridegroom, just a few things. It means he really enjoys us. So when we fast, the bridegroom fast, we're partially getting to know him, but we're going to experience how he delights in us. It says in Isaiah 62 that the Lord rejoices over us. Um, it says that as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, the Lord rejoices over you. There's a delight. Like my, for example, my children, I really delight in them. Like I love when they're just running around the house I love when they do artwork. You know, every parent understands they do that artwork. You're like, wow, that's awesome. You see their heart expressed. I love watching my daughter do ballet dancing. That's the one thing she's doing right now. And I love watching my son, you know, when he's playing soccer. Just, I don't care what he did. If it was kick a ball, run around the ball, fall down and laugh, I don't really care. I enjoy that, right? That's delighting in. And that's how God feels about us. Sincere believers, we, will, we, we want the Lord, we love him. He just genuinely delights in us. And the Lord's saying, I, wanna, I want you to experience that more. So I'm inviting you into the bridegroom fast. Sometimes the Lord, uh, he may just touch us with that understanding, but sometimes we've got to pray and fast and position ourselves for him to give us those things. For the grace. To... And so, um, so he's got a delight for us. He's also got a burning desire, a desire for us to be free, a desire for us to be, feel safe, a desire for us to be close to him. It says that I, Jesus prayed his last prayer before dying on the cross. He said, Father, I desire that those you're going to give me would be with me where I am and see my glory. He wants us to really be close to him. So as we're responding in the bridegroom fast, we're actually saying, yes, I want to be close to you too. You want to be close to me? I want to be close to you. It's the way we express our yes. So I'm just um, highlighting that. I'm going to share a quick story, and I am, I am going to land this airplane, I promise you. Um, you know, I was just thinking about the, 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 the delighting and the tender heart of God. This happened about, oh gosh, maybe eight years ago, and a few of you may know this story. I can't remember who I shared it with, but we were pregnant with our first, son, our first child, and uh, things were looking good. I mean, I wasn't ready. No one was ready at that time. Your first kid and our family, we were... You know, basically, Isaac was like, he came like, I don't know, 10 months or 12 months after we were, we were married, so just let the reader understand. Everything happened pretty fast, and uh, I was not ready, and uh, just, uh, I was very overwhelmed, and we were also learning a lot of new things as a family, like my wife's from overseas. She's been uh, in the States more than 10 years, but still learning how to live together, two cultures. Um, oh, I could tell some fun stories about that. Um, <laughs> Okay, back to where you are. Help, Jesus. Uh, and, um, yeah, so we're, we're working on that. And then just like as, a, you know, missionaries, just trying to figure out, like, our, how our support's working and, and what our jobs are and all this stuff. And then we have this child coming. And then as we get the pregnancy along, we're doing this routine ultrasound, and it's at 35 weeks. And they look at us in the ultrasound and said, we need to take this child out of your wife right now. The blood is going backwards and he's very sick. And so here I am. I actually had, I uh, was going to pay like in cash for a contract at the hospital. But in fact, uh, uh, I hadn't paid it yet. And even if I did, the emergency situation wouldn't have covered, the, the contract wouldn't have covered that. And, you know, I mean, just so you know, I was totally getting stripped down in some areas because I grew up uh, with a certain type of health care. I mean, there's like 
five or six different doctors in our family. My dad was a doctor for part of his life. So I'm just so used to navigating those types of issues uh, in a way where it just wasn't ever a concern. But here I am on a different side of life right now, trying to figure things out, and many of you can relate. And it was just slow. oh, no. And literally, I'm trying to write a check as they're getting her ready <laughs> to take her to the ER, you know, or to the surgery room. I mean, just like just all this fear coming out of me. And, of course, he's born, and he was born three pounds at 35 weeks. So thin, emaciated. You could see his ribs. And so she had really bad preeclampsia, the worst the hospital had ever seen, they told me. And he was in the NICU for three weeks. And um, I was just... Uh, it was not, you can relate to this, sometimes things happen in life, it was not the way you thought they would go. Like, and that's kind of rough. I did not think entering into fatherhood would have felt like that because I was so overwhelmed with terror. I was actually terror, it wasn't just fear. And um, I would go to the hospital, I would always feel so much shame or just feel heavy, like overwhelmed with fear. I don't know how I'm gonna pay for this. It was over a $125,000 medical bill. And I'm going to the hospital to see my son because he was there for three weeks and help. And I'm just like so gripped with this. And then my wife's still sick. And that went on for, uh, he got better when he came home. Um, but for six months, that unknown. And I was like, I'm ruined, God. And so I'm sharing this to kind of, I'm landing here on the tender heart of God. So in that, in that moment, I'm having a, a prayer time with some friends. And I, I see a picture in this prayer time with a few friends of this person looking at me just it's kind of like in your imagination if this is new to you just praying and just getting quiet and and there's someone just looking at me I'm like okay this is interesting <laughs> and as I'm focusing in on them it looked a little bit like my my biological father he's with the Lord now and just so kind and gentle eyes just looking at me and smiling just like I like you you know you're gonna be okay and so I really needed, I mean, I was just like, wow, okay, I'm just go with it because I'll take anything, Lord. <laughs> sometimes you get so desperate, you'll take anything. And that's kind of sometimes when God drops things in your spirit. And so I'm getting this, and I'm just feeling, okay. And as I'm looking at it, I realize this is, this is not my biological father. I'm looking at the heavenly father's looking at me, his, his tenderness, his gaze. And I just keep letting that wash over me. And then um, about a, within a couple days later, I'm giving my son, he's still like three pounds, his first bath. He came home. And you know that whole time, it's like, is the water too hot, too cold? They're just freaking out. They've never, like, how do they move their arms? You know, all of that goofiness. And, and, and I'm easing him down in the water. And I'm like, and I'm also now, I'm putting him in. And I just now, the role has reversed. Now, I am looking at him with those eyes. Now, of course, they're young. I don't know if he could actually see my eyes. You know, I don't know. But we won't go there. I'm just looking at... Him doing that, and, and just like, I've got you. You're okay. And then it, everything was okay. But just now the Lord was letting me experience it on his end about his gentle, tender heart to be a place of security for us in fear, a place of strength for us when we need it, and to come and be like our strong tower, to be our uh, safety. And, um, you know, right around that time, maybe just the week before I was sharing this on a team, and, and one of the one of the people on our team, the, one of the, the director's wife, she, I was sharing in, and I just got really emotional just about what do I do with this situation, and she just said something. It kind of annoyed me, but it was true. I'll just be honest. It was totally true. She said, Brian doesn't yet receive. He hasn't received yet that the father's, the father's love for him or the father's love of God, and, and I had, but not to that level. I was getting stripped at a level that it hadn't reached, and uh, man, I was a wreck. I would I would be serving, and literally sometimes I'd be getting so angry during prayer times, like, why is this happening to me? That I'd have to actually excuse myself from praying for people and go out behind the building and shout. Like, <laughs> you know, I come back like, okay, I'm good. Can I pray for you? <laughs> I'm just being honest here. Uh, and, you know, I was open with my, you know, director, and he was like, hey, that's all right. You know, just do what you need to do. And, and, um, and so, but in that, the Lord began healing my heart with encounters like this and moments where he started putting that tender heart that he had for me, putting it in me. And, um, of course, Jesus has the heart of a father. He's got that tender heart. That's just one dimension of Jesus' heart towards us. But there's so many dimensions of the bridegroom heart, of him enjoying us like we enjoy our children, uh, of him wanting to experience his security and his joy for us. 
like that story I just shared. There's so many dimensions. I mean, there's even a dimension of um, the joy he has for how we're, what we're, who we're called to and growing into. Even when we stumble, he still really delights in us because he sees us a billion years from now. He sees you a billion years from now. And he knows his blood's paid for you. And he said, and it says that you are the righteousness of Christ. That you, by your effort, cannot improve upon his righteousness. Like, the righteousness legally, you are right now, you will be that same righteousness a billion years from now. That you, declared by Jesus' blood, standing before him, there's nothing you need to prove. You're not, there's no accusation or condemnation that can come against you because he's called you his righteousness and nothing can improve upon his righteousness. These are some of the dimensions that God wants to impart to us to share with us. And so today, I believe he's speaking to us to call us away. He's calling you away. When I, what I mean by that, <laughs> Song of Solomon language, it's a book in the Bible. He's calling you to get away from certain distractions, to get away from certain things that are dragging you down, that are like types of uh, uh, things that are kind of like um, spoiling the inner life. And he's like, I have a superior pleasure for you. I have a superior way for you. I'm calling you away to come find it with me. And in that, he's saying here, of the five kingdom activities, I'm bringing you in. Consider prayer and fasting. Consider it even in a weak way to draw away with me in prayer and fasting. I want to impart my desire for you as the bridegroom God. I want to share with you my heart that I have for you, and in that you will be eternally touched. Your life, your value system, your energy will begin to transform like his. Of course, sometimes when we enter into the prayer and fasting, we think after one time, what happened? But I promise you, if you give yourself to what Jesus is talking about in a small way, it will start giving you the single focus, the vibrant heart, and over time, you look back two, three months, just a little bit every week or a little bit, you, you just go for it, you will see a shift happening. The Lord promises to tenderize your heart, to actually change some of your desires. He actually can change desires. Like, you might wonder, why do I always get stuck in this certain sin? Or why do I always have this tendency? As you draw away and the Lord touches you, some of those things will just start falling away naturally. We spend so much energy fighting the things against us, but as we pursue the Lord, there's ways he'll just naturally deal with those. He wants to increase your understanding. He wants to make you healthier, even physically. He wants to strengthen your sense of identity. I'm going to read two more verses and we'll... we'll it's 12 o'clock. We will have a little time in ministry. Song of Solomon 3. I was just, when I was meditating on this earlier this week, thinking about being with you, these are the two verses that kind of struck me. The, the language is a little flowery, but um, it's kind of a love song between, you know, a king and his, and his uh, future bride. But it, it's a spiritual, it's left in the Bible, <laughs> for one thing, <laughs> because it's actually is telling us about spiritual truths about how God relates to us as his people. And here's one in verse Verse chapter 3, the Lord's saying, we're saying, I will rise. I will seek the one I love. And I found the one I love. I don't think I'm applying this to salvation, although it could. I think it's a finding him again as a believer. Sometimes we need to find him again. And when I find him, I'm not going to let him go. I'm going I'm to get talk to him more. I'm going to have him share something with me. The Lord's saying to us, rise. Rise up. Seek. Seek the one that you love. Song of Solomon 5 says this. The other one I was kind of thinking for you is Jesus knocking. There's a couple of verses in the Bible where he's knocking on the hearts of people that are his. It's not about unbelievers, although he is knocking on, on unbelievers' hearts too. He's knocking on the church and he's saying, open for me. Open up. And my heart yearned. Your heart yearns for him. But he's on the other side of the door. So I arose to open the door. God's calling you to open the door. 
And today he's giving us some ways to open the door of our heart so then he can come in and share things with us. I promise you, you're not going to regret it. God's going to do so many things in your life. I believe he's calling you to arise. He's calling you to, to come be with him, to share things. This is a new season. It's a new hour. It's a new time. And what I mean by that is the Lord is truly preparing his church. You know, I believe COVID was a birth pain. Matthew 24, birth pain. Pestilence, universal, simultaneous pestilence across the earth. That's my personal view, but I believe it's one of the birth pains that Jesus talked about. You know, there's many others coming, but he's given us, a, it, they're still going on, <laughs> but it's a slightly reprieve. And what I saw during that birth pain, if that's what it was, but it doesn't really matter if you agree with me, because we can all agree that it was stressful. And it, it, was, it was hard. Like, we were both working teaching classes with three kids running around the house, or two, I think, at that time. See, I don't even know how many kids I had. I need help. And... It was hard, and we were going nuts. And, I mean, since that time, my wife and I have tried to slow down and come away with him. But we're not doing it that great, but we're trying. And we're trying when I say I'm not like this gritting my teeth effort. I want to because I, I saw some stuff in our marriage in my heart that I need the Lord to come and help me. I need to encounter his love. I need to encounter his tenderness so I can be tender as a father. I need to encounter his strength so I can be more patient in my marriage. <laughs> I need to encounter him. I need him to strengthen me because, for one, he's preparing me for him, and I'm his garden. I want to be presentable. I want to enjoy him in my heart. But another one, just to be practical, there's more birth pains coming. You know, well, sometimes we think, oh, I just want to go back to the 1990s. Sorry for anybody younger than that. Go back to the 90s, you know? It's, like, so easy back then. You know, it's just so easy. The economy's great, you know, like the tech boom. Um, I don't know what else happened, but I graduated high school. I don't know. I want to go back to there, but the Lord's saying, we're not going back. There is no more good old days. We're looking forward for the bridegroom coming. We want to prepare ourselves for him. And he said, I'm going to come. He's going to come in a time of shaking. And so the Bible's end time message has both the blessing and the awesomeness of the coming king, but also the challenges of that time. And, you know, all that to say is, I want to get with that bridegroom fast so I can be ready and I can enjoy him. And I've got time now. So, um... Let's all stand. <laughs> Appreciate your patience. Randy, you knew it. You knew I was going to go long. I really tried. I, I promise. I was asking for help uh, before everybody got here. If the worship team like to come up or someone uh, to play worship, you're, you're welcome. And two, appreciate you guys. <clears throat> you can just center your attention on the Lord, if that, whatever that means for you. I just think, again, the Lord is calling you to come away. Come away. If you have a yes in your heart, you don't know exactly what it looks like, but to come away. Lord, we respond to you. Let's just, you know, if you agree with that, Lord, I don't know, but I'm willing to try something. I'm willing to look at some of these five things you highlighted, the giving, the serving, the blessing my enemies. I want to learn about this. I want to look into prayer and fasting in a way that I can try to do it. Come away. If you're open to that, there's a yes in your heart to come away. I just want you to whisper back to the Lord to say, I'm willing. I want to come away. Just tell them. Bible says, draw me away and I will run after you. Jesus, if you draw us, we will run after you. Lord, help us to seek you, God. You're the one that we love. And when we find you, not let you go.
just waiting here. I just think, I just again, just really simple, just feel it's an invitation today. It's an invitation. And so if you feel there's something that you want to say yes to that God's inviting you into, let's just ask this, Lord, what are you inviting me into? What is it you want to share with me? respond in some way, I, you know, I invite our, our ministry team to come forward. You can respond at your seat. You can just talk to the Lord. You can come forward to have someone agree with you. You can turn to someone next to you, family members, say, hey, pray with me. This is what I'm, I want to say yes. I want to try to get away. Um, in some way, I just want to invite you to respond if you'd like to. And um, I bless you today, Indy Vineyard. I'm so happy to be with you, and the Lord bless you. Let me just pray a blessing prayer, and we'll just close the service. But again, ministry team, I'd love for you to come up. Um, I bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I bless you. Grace and peace to you. Lord, we pray your fellowship. Take us into more fellowship together. I see you like lifting a kite up. I feel like there's a, something where you're going to lift up in your life. God's going to, the wind of the Holy Spirit is touching you. And I don't know if you've recently in a newer role or, or work, newer job or new, newer to the city, but I, I feel like, you, you know, maybe the last year or two moved in um, and yeah, I just see something with, um, I don't know if it's, if it's tech stuff or uh, like a, a startup, but I see grace on your life in this season for the Holy Spirit to really uh, strengthen you, strengthen your hands. Just bless you in Jesus' name. Bless you. There's another a young man right behind my friend Doug Hall there. Yeah, I'm looking at you right there. What's your name? Corey. Corey, there's a real strength on your life uh, to build relationships. There's a strength on your life of, um, there's a, a gentleness and a way to care for others, uh, uh, just a way to build friendships, gathering. There's, a, there's a, just a grace on your life for that. And I don't know what you're doing in life, but I feel like as you're in groups and things, God's going to use you like glue, use you like a gatherer and someone that's seeking the lost. I feel like there's a, that's a word over this church to seek the lost. I feel like there's um, some lost family members. There's some lost people. And um, right now, let's just pray for that. So in the name of Jesus, Lord, we call forth the lost family members to uh, be awakened right now. Lord, those stuck in addiction, those are, are felt separated from you. Would you reach your arm and touch them? Lord, those that are lost, those that feel lost, um, even those in this room, that place sometimes we feel like lost sheep. God, would you come and gather, even in this room, those of us that felt like a lost sheep, come and gather, come and bring sense to. I feel like there's a um, some type, just, you know, this happens, a life event. We just hit the wall and we have not recovered yet. We lost our sense of direction. If that's you, we want to pray for you. There's someone that here hit the wall and you feel like a lost sheep because of just the, the, the speed of what your life was and boom, just things shifted and you don't know what to make sense of. The Lord just feels the pain and the groaning. He wants to um, encourage you today. He wants to strengthen you in his love today. So if that applies to you, I just want you to get some prayer before you leave today. Holy 
Spirit, we love you. We just ask for your, for more over this church body. Or for more, you have so much, Lord, the in, uh, inexpressible riches of Christ. You want to share. saw a, a picture of you just with people gathering in your house. Uh, I feel like I don't think you're, I don't think you're doing that right now, but I see just uh, there's, a, there's a grace on your life. Uh, there's another type of gathering. I just see you really coming alive um, just in some ways with organic, natural gatherings um, in, your, in, your, in your home. Um, I feel like um, sometimes when we get into a position the Lord our, our gifts are flowing we feel like we're rooted this is our this is our community I feel like the Lord's going to establish in some ways I don't know all of them that you feel rooted in a community that longing you know where do I fit the Lord's he's going to he sees that he's going to st- help establish that and, and I bless you so I just uh, we just Lord you guys are released if you'd like prayer come forward bless you in Jesus name